Today's episode of Speak LA, the podcast is sponsored by Actors Connection. Before we begin, one of the things we most often hear from our listeners is how hard it is to find an agent. If this is something that you are struggling with, go to ispeakla.com and download our free agent guide today. There is absolutely no shame in not having an agent, but we really want to help you get one. So go to ispeakla.com and grab your free agent guide now. Jen, how, how are, are you? Going? Good. Okay. So good to see you. You too. <laughs> you too. So today's a big day for us, Tobin Bell. I know. Yeah. Star of the Saw franchise. Yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this because not only is he the scary guy, if one could say, <laughs> um, the scary guy, John Kramer, the infamous John Kramer. He's also an artist. He has a reputation of just, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to him about craft and Mm -hmm. just hear his thoughts on his technique and, and just really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's going to be a good, a good, a good one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he, he has, he's known for being not only a great actor, but also a, a great human being. And, um, it's it's really an honor to get to have him on the show. Yeah, so it's a good combination. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, right. <laughs> a good actor and a good human. That's that's yeah. the way you want to go. <laughs> um, well, before we get to Tobin, mm. I would love Jen to hear a little yes. bit about you and LA. Oh. Something that you love about LA. Something I love about LA. Well, you know, it's funny you ask because, as you know, I'm not in LA right now, um, but. My, my daughter last night, just uh, kind of out of the blue to the whole family said, you know what I wish I could have right now? One of those biscuits from Jones on Third. <laughs> and then we all started like, you know, oh, those biscuits, you know, <laughs> talking about those biscuits and like, could we recreate the biscuits? And, you know, is there anywhere here where we could maybe find that kind of a biscuit? Which of course the answer is no, but um, I just, you know, it just, it, it, it kind of just made me think about like all those sidewalk cafes yeah. like Jones, you know, where you sit and eat delicious biscuits while you sip your cappuccino oh, and yeah. feel so lucky to be in the sunshine. And, um, you know, I love, I love that. Love that about it. I have two things to say to that, Jen. Okay. Let's hear it. Number one, LA misses you a lot. Thank you. <laughs> You're Thank welcome. You. <laughs> Gosh, me. And um, number two, if you had to describe mm. those biscuits in one word, what would that one word mm. be? Oh, gosh. Probably addictive. Because, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing. Like, you, yeah, you have one and you just – except they're often out of them. So oh. sometimes you, you, can't, uh, you can't eat you know, five in one sitting, like I would like to do. <laughs> so come to LA and eat some addictive so, biscuits from Joe Monther with <laughs> Jen and the fam. <laughs> Which sounds like a plug, but we're sadly not getting any money from Jones. <laughs> no. To talk about their great biscuits. <laughs> we should try. We should, we should tell Jones they should give us some money. <laughs> I know. We just love you, Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you born and raised? Uh, Born in Queens, New York, uh, and raised in Weymouth, Massachusetts. 
What was a day job you had when you were first coming up? Loading mattresses on tractor trailer trucks. <laughs> How many mattresses you can get on a tractor trailer truck? A lot. How, many? <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you got your first acting job? Nine. Wow. wow. Young. Um, in what city have you spent most of your adult life? New York. And how old were City. you? New York City. Mm-hmm. How, how old were you the first time you visited LA? Oh, I was 48. Wow. And if you had to sum LA up in one word, what would that word be? Sprawl. 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 <laughs> yeah, I remember driving to LA and, uh, and, and it said Los Angeles next to the road and an hour later, I still wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. It's so 70 true. square miles, folks, so be aware of that when you see that sign inside <laughs> of the road. When it says Los Angeles, you ain't there. <laughs> it's so true. You're like, when is it going to end or start? <laughs> Where am I? Yeah. Perfect. Tobin, welcome so yeah. much. We're so happy to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be uh, with you guys. Uh, love your website. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Tobin. You. Um, we, we'd love to start with that first question of, you know, when did you first know that you wanted to be an actor? And can you kind of tell us about the beginnings of your career? I, uh, I think the first, the happiest moments of my childhood were in a little theater in uh, Weymouth, Massachusetts, where I would go on Saturday afternoons and, and uh, watch. Uh, I remember being drawn to the Superman cereal and the cereal, not the cereal that you eat, but the, every Saturday they would, before the film, they would show a, um, a, um, a short and they would, every Saturday would be a continuation of the Superman story. And uh, George Reeve played Superman back in that time. And mm-hmm. I was just so enamored by, by the Superman cereal. Uh, and so I would go every Saturday, uh, and uh, the, the films that I saw there and the actors that I saw in the films uh, were amazing. Uh, actors like Gary Cooper or James Dean, or you wow. know, actors who really became their parts. And uh, um, then, way of course, much later. Then I did some summer stock in my teens. Loved the camaraderie of of uh, musical theater and and the dramas that they did there and uh, uh, the timing of everything, how you had to push to get one one show off and the next show on and people were always unprepared (laughs) for for opening night. So there was always this tension and and risk involved. And so it was very exciting. And uh, I I had a lot of responsibility uh, in my jobs there. And uh, I like that. I think I was about 14. Something like wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, backstage all the time, but but loved it. And uh, then in my senior year in college, I mean, I know I'm jumping from being a kid to being 14 senior year, but uh, senior year in college, Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy came to Boston University to speak. And I went to see them speak. 
and I had uh, done a couple of small things at BU Television, and uh, I went to hear them speak, and they seemed so refined and so mm. articulate and so happy and so classy, and and it seemed they had no stress or tension or anything about them, and they were so accomplished, and I thought, well, if that's the kind of life it is, that's for me. I want to be a, a classy contributor like them, and... Uh, Little did I know uh, <laughs> how how long it would take me to even get remotely close to where they were at. So, but it was a turning point for me, and uh, I applied to the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York, and then it took off from there. Wow, that's sort of a long answer, but no, that's not a long the, answer. You know, it's like from from being a kid to to a teenager to a senior in college. Uh, it was a sort of circuitous route. Did your family support your desire to do this? My mother did. Mm -hmm. My mother was an actress in England uh, when she was growing up. She did uh, play leads in three films before mm -hmm. she met my father at the London Palladium in London and married him and came to the U.S. And so she was always very supportive of my crazy idea. <laughs> my, my father uh, thought I had lost my mind. <laughs> as, as so many parents do, I think. Um, you said little did you know how long it would it would take. Can you can you tell us a little about that? So you you saw them speak and then you went to the neighborhood playhouse and and kind of what happened then? Uh, I uh, went from the Neighborhood Playhouse uh, and became a member of the Actors Studio in New York. And mm. uh, I did 53 jobs, 53 loading mattresses on tractor trailer trucks was one of them. <gasps> I, counted, I counted them. Wow. It, uh, let's see, 64 to 88 uh, would be 88 to 64 is 4 and 2, four, six, 26 years thereabouts before I actually was able to make a living. Or wow. It took 26 years. And human Jessica did not say that. You know? <laughs> uh, but you know, I did everything from, from, from painting buildings to, to uh, washing dishes. And I, I, I wrote all the jobs down the other day, and there were 53 of them. So if anyone's listening to this and you abhor your menial tasks that you need to do to, to support yourself, don't. Because if it keeps you in the game, they're your best friend, as long as it keeps you in the game. Um, so I went to the Actors Studio from the Neighborhood Playhouse. I, I was hugely fortunate to become a member of the Actors Studio, which became my family over the next long, long number of years. And then uh, finally, 20, you know, I did a lot of stage, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, I did regional theater, um, I, I played uh, an extra in, in, in 35 films, stand-in work and extra work with Sidney Lumet, Sidney Pollack, uh, Martin Scorsese. Uh, um, I wanted to be close to the camera. I wanted to see if, if, if I could do what I believed I could do. I wanted to actually see it. And uh, so, uh, and, and in 1987, Alan Parker 
uh, came to New York to cast Mississippi Burning. And he um, saw me, didn't commit, uh, went to L.A., cast a whole bunch of it in L.A., came back to New York, saw me again, and uh, eventually cast me in Mississippi Burning. And that was the first time I ever spoke in a, in a major film. Wow. And, uh, so I was, and I was very pleased uh, because the quality of the film was important and uh, it wasn't just entertainment stuff, you know. And uh, so that's sort of the, the, n the nutshell. Uh, and, and so Mississippi Burning helped me uh, get rolling and uh, gave me a certain credibility and and then uh, Sidney Lumet, who was also, uh, uh, sorry, Sidney, Sidney Pollack, who's also a member of the Actors Studio and knew my work a little bit from my work there with Lee Strasberg. And um, uh, he hired me to play the Nordic in the firm. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so with Sidney Pollack, by the way, uh, he, he, I had been an extra in uh, Tootsie. Uh, that was one of that was one of the thirty five films, and he used me to carry a tray across this huge party with like a, a moving shot to Terry Gar, and mm -hmm. he knew me from the studio. I, I think I worked like six or seven days on on Tootsie, so I knew Sydney a little bit from that, and, and then he saw me in Mississippi Burning, and he loved Alan Parker. Sydney Pollack loved Alan's work. Alan was British, and uh, he, I say was because Alan died this year. And uh, um, uh, but he was fascinated by American history, and a lot of the films he made had to do with the U.S. And mm. Sidney Pollack loved him, and uh, so he saw Mississippi Burning, saw my saw what I did there, and 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 it just flat out offered me the role of the Nordic in the firm, and so I ended up back in in the deep south in Memphis, Tennessee. Wow. That's a that's so that's so inspiring. Uh I think, you know, certainly to me and I'm sure to so many people listening, just the um the amount of time. You know, we have we have guests who have said things along the lines of it's it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, you know, and <laughs> and your story is a is a perfect um example of that. I, I'm so glad that you brought up background work, because we were actually going to ask you about that today. Um, you know, background work is is sometimes debated amongst actors, as I'm sure you know, uh, whether I, or not. I, I, yeah, I many, so many actors, people from the actor studio, very good actors. Yeah. Uh, who weren't necessarily established yet would say, how can you do that? Right. So it's so demeaning. Right. Uh, they're going to think of you as an extra. If right. They're going to hire you as a, as right. a you know, and that's not true. Number one, uh, mm. number two, uh, you have to know why you're doing it. And I and I explain to I would explain to them that I don't feel that way. Apart from the 160 bucks a day that I got paid from the Screen Actors Guild uh, uh, at that time, it's probably more now. Uh, I, I I spent two weeks sitting in a courtroom on the verdict with Paul Newman, watching Sidney Lumet direct 
Paul Newman and James mm. Mason. And I was 15 feet away in a, wow. courtroom, in a courtroom in Queens. So you can't get, get that kind of learning. They can teach you all they want in an acting class, but the realities of being on a set technically are somewhat different. Uh, not in fact, they're very different. Uh, uh, what's what, uh, and and I'm not saying training's not important. It's hugely important, and hopefully, in in your training, uh, they will be teaching you to follow your impulses and to be alive and to follow your impulses. But if you followed your impulses on a set all the time, they'd never get the shot. Right. You have to, you have, you have to le learn to repeat so that the camera knows what you're going to do, but you still have to be alive within that. And so for me, it was a matter of being close to the, as close to the camera as I could get. And then asking myself, okay, based on what I see going on there, could I do what Paul Newman's doing? Mm. Could I do what he, she's doing? Uh, and I did a lot of stand-in work too. So where you get to, you get to walk, you know, in back in those days, they had to light everything. So they would rehearse. The principals would go away for two hours or whatever the hell it was. And the stand-ins would, I remember walking, uh, I was standing in for Nicole Williamson in a movie about Valium with Jill Claiborne called I'm Dancing As Fast As, you, as I Can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I remember walking through the dunes in Long Island because they had, they were this, so you got to actually physically do what the actor was doing and realize that, oh, he picks up the cup there. And the, the director would say, Tobin, pick up the cup. This is what he picks up the cup. <laughs> you, know, you, learn, you learn how to fulfill the needs of the director and the other technician, mm. sound, lighting, et cetera. So mm. it was great. It was great learning for me. And I understood what my fellow actors would say to me, but I didn't feel that way. I didn't think, I thought if, if, if I have any talent, someone will eventually recognize me and I'll be able to make the jump into being a principal actor in film, which is basically my goal. I did a lot of stage in New York, but I really always wanted to be a film actor. And that goes back to being in that little theater when I was a kid. And yeah, that that's where the magic happens for me. I I think it's so interesting um, the way you're describing background work and basically your perception of it. And I I um I also think it's interesting. You know, I I, I can kind of see you as that little kid watching the collaborate the collaborative aspect of theater, and essentially it's it's what you brought into your stand in your background work. And I think that's where a lot of actors struggle mm -hmm. is that perception, not only of the things they have to do in order to keep themselves in the game. Like you said, all those jobs, <laughs> those, you know, you those. Can't, you, can't, you can't win the game if you're not in the game. Right. Mm. And if someone comes by you and says, Hey, you know what? I'll give you a $50,000 job selling tires for Goodyear tire and rubber. Uh, and you take it, you're out of the game. Mm. Whereas if you if you keep your dishwashing job from seven thirty at night till twelve, you can still go to auditions. You're still in the game, right? You know, right? So you got to stay in the game to win. 
how do you, how do you, what are, I'd love to hear because staying in the game, as we all know, is, is not always the easiest thing to do, especially as the years go by and you're getting anxious or nervous or you have these goals and they feel out of reach, which again goes to that kind of idea of perception and mindset and all of that, which it, it's just fascinating to hear you speak because I've never heard someone be so clear about the boundaries between the job that they have and then what they're actually doing and not allowing that to affect their self-worth or that, that, that that's in any way shape a reflection of who they are. And I think a lot of actors make that mistake of, I'm not going to even say actors, humans make that mistake of taking on sort of their surroundings and making them making it a reflection of who they are and what, and what they are. And I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear sort of, you know, what do you what what were things you said to yourself in the moments that were particularly challenging or difficult or when you were doing that dishwashing job and you were like gosh darn it or <laughs> you know just something that that actors can can begin to also put in their heads too in those moments of of difficulty it, for me it was intuition mm. more than anything and and this blind belief and some sorry no that somehow that would happen mm. and i hated the idea of a of a regular job mm. that was a, that's a, I, I when i when I, you know yeah i have you can have all of these reasons and and uh, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was thinking, well, was it Hume Cronin and what they said, or was it was a movie theater when I was a kid? Was, there was a really strong part of me that wanted to be free. <laughs> and I didn't realize that the freedom comes with baggage. Mm. And, and that's the dishwashing. That's the the painting the underside of stairs of fire escapes in 40-story buildings with a roller for weeks and weeks at a time, which I was delighted to be doing because it paid me ten ninety five an hour. Wow. Steady, steady money. Really steady, you know, because I knew the building was 45 stories high. It was going to take a long time for me to lie on my back painting these fire stairs. But I was like, that'll pay the rent. You know, I would work on my lines while I was doing it for a scene I was doing. I would use the time. So what did you ask me, Camille? Uh, You answered it better than, I mean, I guess, I guess what I would, I just, I'm, I'm, frankly, I'm in awe. I'm really just in awe of how you are talking about this because it is such a, it, it, I find it to be such a difficult thing. I mean, you know, just speaking personally and and, and having that blind belief in a dream. Um, and I just think it's incredibly inspiring. So I guess what I was wondering is if you were to talk to people that don't have that as strongly as you did, you know, as strongly as you did, they have that belief in themselves. They know they want this dream, but there's the doubt that comes up that creeps in. Um, I, that was my question. So what would you, what would you say to them? And I, those I feel doubts, like you, those, those doubts are just part of it. 
It's mm-hmm. going to be bad days. Uh, um, uh, going to be bad days. It's going to be times when you uh, you doubt yourself. Uh, uh, that's all going to be part of it. That's going to happen. It's, you, know, you you have to you have to accept that as being part of it. At the same time. You have to keep going forward. In other words, yeah, you got those doubts, but show up on for your dishwashing job. Show up on time. Pay the bill. Stay in the game. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't staying in the game doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to get fixed from those doubts and from from the. I mean, an acting career comes with all of these um, these these problems, broken relationships, uh, uh, vulnerability to drugs, uh, self-hatred, all of these things that, that are part, that I'm not going to go away. Mm-hmm. You're going to be there. Uh, it's just a question of putting one step in front of the other and, 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 and trying to stay as healthy as you can amidst all of that and to not confuse all of the no's mm. that you get with your value. Right. With your actual value. Because you're going to get a lot of no's. Right. Sorry, it's hard for me to talk about. It's surprised. <laughs> it, surpri- it surprises me. You well, know? You're, but when I yeah. start to talk about it, it just... <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're giving us real answers, and, and we appreciate that so much. Um Tobin, will you will you tell us a little about your technique as an actor? Your how how you approach a character? Do you do the same thing every time in terms of your approach? How you approach the script? Yeah, it doesn't matter whether I'm a cowboy or an astronaut or a priest or or John Kramer. Uh, I ask myself a lot of questions, mm. uh, a lot of questions. I fill composition books with answers to those questions. Mm-hmm. I ask myself, who am I? Where am I? What do I want? When do I want it? And how am I going to get it? From the character's point of view. Uh, and, right. and then uh, we have a computer inside our heads. I mean, I could ask you, Camille, what, what you did from the moment you woke up this morning. You, you could tell me. Because mm-hmm. it's all filed away in a computer. Right. But if you are being asked to uh, act somebody who you don't know specifically what the hell he means by what he says, because the guy might say, I'm exhausted. Well, you can be exhausted because you're, 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 your wife is beating you up, uh, giving you a hard time. You can be mm-hmm. exhausted because you were up all night working. You can be exhausted because uh, you're, you're broke and you don't know where you're next to there's a lot of what, what does the guy mean? Mm. What specifically, and for me, now there's lots of different techniques, but for me, I can't play somebody if I don't know what they really are talking about specifically. And uh, so I try to fill in everything I possibly can about what the person means by what they say and why they say it. And, um, that keeps me from going insane uh, by faking playing somebody who I don't really uh, understand or, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I, I just can't, 
act that way. That's not why I am an actor to to be that kind. Now, pl plenty of people can do it their own way, but for me, um, it hurts to not know what I mean mm -hmm. by what I say. And so I try to fill in all of the nooks and crannies of what does he mean when he says this? It could mean that, it could mean that. Uh, uh, and, and so that's how I approach it. And, and the questions that I ask myself are, um, who am I, where am I, what do I want, when do I want it, how am I gonna get it? It's an inverse triangle. The first question is, where do I live? For example, who am, where am I? I'm, I'm in the, I'm, 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 I live in a city. That poses two, two questions. In the city? In the suburbs? In the suburbs is my answer. Oh, what's your street look like? Oh, do you live in a house or an apartment? That's four. The two questions become four, the four become eight, uh, sorry, the four, yeah, the four become eight, the eight become 16, 32, and it gets wider and wider. And by the time the camera rolls, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but hopefully I have enough answers that I, w I can play this guy without going mad. Mm -hmm. And, but I never have all the answers. So if you're listening to this, and you don't have, and you don't feel like you've you've done all your work by the time the guy yells action. You probably haven't, but hopefully you've done enough so so you can feel rewarded by the work that you've done, and you can connect with your partner, and you can fulfill what the light guy asks you for, and the sound guy, and and the, the set decorator and the, and the director himself and the producer sitting in a chair going, oh, shit, it's like, oh, <laughs> we're running out of money here. You're answering to a lot of uh, masters uh, when you're actually doing the work. I, I love the asking the questions. I talk to my students a lot about that, Is, you know, what... What are the questions that come up? Because what we naturally do is we begin to answer them and you don't even need to know the answer right away, but to just to keep asking those questions. That's such a, I, I've never thought of it as the inverted triangle. I just, I love that image of the question and then the next questions and then mm -hmm. how hard it gets wider goes. and wider and wider. Wonderful, wonderful. I, I mean, it also, I was going to ask another question, speaking of questions, but I just, <laughs> I, I also just, what I think is, is so interesting listening to you is that you're always working on your craft. I mean, you know, going back to even. I don't work enough on my craft. I was realizing that the other day, you know, you get to be working and, 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 and actually working. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, you take, Stella Adler and Lee Strasberg and, and Uta Hagen, and they end up on a shelf somewhere. And I found myself pulling those books out the other day and, you know, the, the things about Stanislavski and, you know, and to, yeah. it's very important to keep refreshed. So yeah. I didn't mean, to interrupt, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Camille. We're, no. always, we're always learning. What happens when you start working technically on productions, uh, commercial productions, is that that uh, you know things to do with concentration, imagination, 
um, uh, sensory work, uh, effective memory, things like that, they, they end up getting put aside. You don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because that's where I, I come from. It's like my garden. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sure it, it helps you to feel confident and secure on the set because you know what you feel like, you know what you're doing, which is how we all want to feel, of course, when we're acting. I think it also feeds the soul when you go back to those, you know, Uta Hagen, Stanislavski, and just looking at the craft again and just, you know, the, the beauty of what it is to create a character, the, the development of it, the process mm. of it. It's just, I, I think it, it's magic. It really is. And, and it's just, it's, and it's always so fascinating. I mean, the fact that you can work on a character and never really truly like have all of those questions answered. I mean, what a phenomenal artistic constant striving process that mm. you've, you've chosen as an actor, right? It just never ends. It's just, mm. it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm also so glad you brought up going back to the books because I think, you know, people listening certainly might think, but you know, Tobin, you, you've, you know, you've made it, you've, you've worked so much. Like, do you really still have to? And it's like, just that reminder that, you know, you're always a student, you're always still growing, still uh, learning, still searching, I think is a, is a, is a wonderful reminder. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can be sure that the musicians that we admire. That's right. That's right. (laughs) It's practicing. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, Well, sadly, we are out of time, out of respect to our guests and our listeners we always try to keep it at right at a half hour um but uh, my answers were too long are you kidding your answers were perfect we our our hope is that that you know we barely talk and you talk the whole time so that's that's what we want that's that's a great guest um we always love to end by asking our guests um if they would maybe share an laism which is um which is something that that you have found to be unique about la in one word, it would be called shortcuts. <laughs> when I first came to LA, I lived in the Hollywood Hills to um, avoid having to tr- drive. Uh-huh. I, I don't like to drive, but mm-hmm. there's no way to avoid driving in LA. But I lived in the Hollywood Hills because I thought, well, Warner Brothers is right over there, uh, CBS is right down there, Sony's only right over there. But right. then I found out that that it could cons- it. Could, conceivably uh, uh, take an hour and a half to get to Sony from Gower and Franklin, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> then, I, then I, of course, I was using the Thomas Guide back then. Of course, you know, I remember. Like, you thumb through the thing. Yeah. Yep. But then this book came out called Shortcuts. And it, in this, I don't know if it's still out, but um, uh, it might be online now. There might be a version of it online. Uh, and he told you how to get from like Gower and Franklin to Sony without going the way everyone else goes. Oh. And it showed you all these wonderful, <laughs> when, there so was, cool. when there was traffic, when there was traffic, it was amazing. It, it would teach me how to get from Venice to up to Highland, from Venice to Highland, <laughs> up, up to Highland without, without going up La Brea, we're all afraid right. you know? And so I loved that book. So that's, that's shortcuts. Called, that's my, my, my word for, 
for anyone. Look, see if you can find something called shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was so <laughs> successful that, that, that they probably have something else, even if it's not the same. Right. right. Uh, that way you, you avoid sitting in traffic for, for hours. Save yourself a half an hour. Yeah, which is a, which is a which is a very big deal in LA. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a perfect shortcuts is perfect. Okay, Tobin, thank you so thank much. You. This yeah, has really thanks. been very very inspiring. And um, thank you, thank yeah. you, and thanks thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We want to be able to bring you more episodes like this one, but we can only do that with your support. So please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to Speak LA, the podcast. For more information on Speak LA, go to ispeakla.com. This episode of Speak LA, the podcast was sponsored by Actors Connection. Actors Connection offers free resources, including valuable online programs. For more information, go to actorsconnection.com and sign up for their e-blast today. Our sound engineer is the very talented Dan Leonard of homevoiceoverstudio.com. My name is Jen Jostin. And I'm Camille Thornton-Olson, and we are the founders of Speak LA. You can find us at ispeakla.com. See you next time.